Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal Podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Andrew Sheehan from the San Antonio Military Medical Center. Today, I'm excited to be talking to Dr. Arvin Athavirham, who's an orthopedic sports medicine specialist at the University of Chicago. Incidentally, Arvin and I met each other as we were both uh, ANA traveling fellows last year, so it's nice to reconnect with him this evening and talk about his paper entitled Pharmacologic Thromboprophylaxis Other Than Aspirin is Associated with an Increased Risk of Procedural Intervention for Arthrofibrosis After Atrial Reconstruction. It was just published online in October of 2020. That was a mouthful of a title, Ervin, but thanks for coming on the podcast this evening. Yeah, thank you very much for, for having me uh, back, Andy. I appreciate it. So before we get into the specifics of the study, you know, this is a question that I like to ask uh, guests of the podcast when they are here talking about um, interesting kind of non-clinical studies, whether they be anatomic studies or um, registry-based studies. But I want you to take a moment to explain to the listeners how in your group executed your study. Um, this is not one of the first studies like this that you've published. And so obviously you have an infrastructure uh, or a, a machine for lack of better words in place. How did you set this up in a way that allowed you to perform this study in an effective and expeditious way? Yeah, great question. I, I'd say probably the, the most significant factor is, uh, you know, I have a great group of residents I work with at the University of Chicago. They're interested in sports medicine. So I think just kind of uh, nurturing that interest uh, has been really helpful. And it, I'd like to acknowledge my co-authors on this, uh, Charles Kinn and Hayne Baker, who are both residents at the University of Chicago, have done a great job with this and other studies. Um, and I think, uh, you know, on top of that, I think asking the right question uh, is really important for any of these database studies. Uh, you know, one really needs to understand the limitations of the database um, to avoid going down a rabbit hole that, you know, you can do you know, several weeks of research on, on a specific topic only to find out that, you know, maybe the database isn't the ideal uh, method to do that. Um, so, for example, I would say like big picture concepts like overall surgical procedure trends or occurrence of rare but clinically significant complications such as blood clots, infections, or complications. Those are great things to look at in these database studies um, versus, you know, when you're you know, maybe looking at more patient reported outcome measures would be more ideal. Those are not as well suited. So I'd say just understanding the limitations and asking the right question, uh, you know, would be, you know, important factors outside of having a great team around me. And it seems like this is a fairly specific question that you guys set out to ask. What exactly got you interested in this topic specifically and compelled you to actually get into this registry and, and answer the question? So I think one of the questions uh, that uh, came to me is, you know, for example, I use, um, you know, aspirin in my own uh, ACL group. And, uh, you know, as you know, Andy, you know, I also do um, total joint replacements as well. And we recently converted from um, using, um, you know, oral uh, factor 10 inhibitors uh, with my total joint patients to uh, using just aspirin. And what I noticed is that um, there was a decrease in uh, my rate of manipulations. And then, um, you know, that kind of got me intrigued. And I tried to see if there was something similar uh, in the um, ACL literature just based on, you know, just overall rates of, you know, using thromboprophylaxis and, you know, whether or not uh, using thromboprophylaxis was associated with increased risk of uh, manipulation or stiffness. 
And I didn't really uh, find much information on that. So that was one of the factors that um, you know, motivated us to look into this uh, topic. And so why don't you give us an overview of exactly how you went about investigating this topic and then tell me and the listeners what are the one or two main take-home points uh, that you want us walking away from at the end of this podcast about your paper. Sounds good. So we looked at this uh, database called the Pearl Diver, uh, um, you know, database, uh, which had access to, um, you know, these large, um, uh, you know, Humana, uh, Humana claims uh, data set. And uh, we tried to identify patients that used um, thromboprophylaxis as opposed to patients that are already on anticoagulation uh, preoperatively. Uh, so once we identified that, um, we, we followed these patients out to about 18 months after the surgery. And what we're trying to figure out is which of these patients that, you know, had thromboprophylaxis or, you know, had um, increased risk of uh, manipulation or anesthesia or lysis of adhesions um, when they underwent ACL surgery. Um, in our database, so we looked at about 14,000 patients, and about 13,000 of these patients did not have any thromboprophylaxis. And of the about 500 patients that actually were prescribed pharmacological prophylaxis, um, what we found is that patients that had um, any factor other than aspirin, so for example, low molecular weight heparin, oral factor 10A inhibitors, or warfarin, uh, were 2.6 times higher uh, rate of manipulation under anesthesia compared to um, either having no prophylaxis or using aspirin alone. Interesting. And so what, if anything, surprised you about these findings? Anything got you scratching your head? You know, one, one thing I was a little surprised was the, you know, the low rate of um, thromboprophylaxis overall uh, nationally for ACL surgery, which kind of makes sense because the incidence of uh, DTPE and those sorts of complications are pretty low, about 0.5%, um, you know, but that did surprise me slightly. Um, the other thing that surprised me is I was expecting to find, you know, a similar rate, uh, you know, for aspirin and the other uh, rates uh, agents for thromboprophylaxis, and and we're surprised that we had a, such a stark difference between the two groups, where uh, aspirin was more comparable to, you know, not uh, having prophylax in terms of um, rate of manipulation versus there was a, you know, over a two and a half fold increase when using. Uh, a thromboprophylactic agent other than aspirin. So I was surprised that there was a significant dif difference uh, in the rate between aspirin and the other agents. What do you think is going on there? Do you think it's the people that are on the medications other than aspirin are setups? They've got something about their biology or their knee homeostasis, for lack of better words, that predisposes them to having these episodes of arthrofibrosis postoperatively? I, I think that's a good point. I mean, we did try to control for some of that by um, our regression analysis. For example, we try to control, um, you know, the Charleston comorbidity index, which is, you know, um, index that has a variety of different factors like diabetes, uh, cardiac disease, lung disease. So we, we took that into account. We also took into account factors that have been shown to have um, a risk factor, so manipulation under disease, such as a concurrent meniscal repair, uh, time from surgery, whether it was, un, you know, within three weeks or after three weeks, um, as well as post-operative uh, post infection. So we try to control for some of these factors. 
Uh, but again, within these database uh, type studies, it's hard to control every factor. So I'm cer certainly there, there might be a confounder that we weren't able to control. But that being said, you know, based on this study, I, I think one thing they could potentially take away is that the th a thromboprophylactic agent other than aspirin may potentially increase the incidence of postoperative hematoma, which in turn could increase the pro-inflammatory milieu, which is necessary for arthrofibrosis to develop. So, you know, maybe it is just, you know, the increased incidence of the hematoma that's, you know, contributing. But unfortunately, there's no way to, to be certain with this design, but it, it does, you know, suggest that possibility, um, you know, given that we've controlled for as many factors as we could in this study. So what are you doing in your practice in 2020 right now? You do a fair amount of total needs, like you mentioned. Do the results of, of this study affect the way that you think about thrombo prophylaxis in, in these patients in general, or maybe just in the high-risk patients? Yeah, I think from the standpoint of, um, you know, my total joints, for example, I think that this kind of, you know, certain my belief that, you know, we did the right transition because, like I said, I, I found that we decreased our incidence of uh, MUAs without increasing the risk of DVTPE complication. You know, for example, for my uh, ACL group, um, you know, I, I continue to use aspirin and, um, you know, the study was suggested there's not an increased risk for, you know, MUA. So I'm going to continue doing the same, uh, you know, same scenario. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I'll continue doing the, doing the same thing. Uh, but for high-risk patients, um, you know, we usually consult with, uh, you know, our anesthesia clinic and, and hematologists and, um, you know, try to get uh, solicited advice from them as to, to what to do. But, yeah, certainly low-risk patients, I think aspirin uh, is a good approach, uh, certainly for total joints. And, in, and in, you know, in cases where um, surgeons already use aspirin, I think it's safe to do. And how much aspirin are you using? And for how long after surgery? So I use a baby aspirin, uh, 81 milligrams, uh, usually just till the first post-op appointment about two weeks after surgery. So usually just for the first couple of weeks. Great. Well, Ervin, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about this interesting study with me this thrombo prophylaxis after orthopedic surgical procedures continues to be a hot topic and i think that we're getting better and we're getting to a place where i think we're more um, accurately balancing the risks and the benefits of of those types of medications and i think this study uh, goes a long way long way for helping us knee surgeons that do acls figure out the best way to to treat these patients so thanks a lot we appreciate it it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So Dr. Virathams' paper entitled Pharmacologic Thromboprophylaxis Other Than Aspirin is Associated with Increased Risk for Procedural Intervention for Arthrofibrosis After ACL Reconstruction was just recently made available as an article in press online and can currently be accessed at www.arthroscojournal.org. Thank you all for joining us and have a nice evening.